Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSEN. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good Monday morning to you. It is a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. It's all proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. It's Gil Alexander, Jeff Parlay here as well. Jeffrey, how was your weekend, sir? It's good. It's good. It's good. Right. It's good. All right. No complaints. No complaints. No complaints. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Bet Bash here later on the show. I spent most of my weekend at Bet Bash 2. Legacy Club Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's just buck wild. It's ridiculous. It's the best, best sports betting conference in the history of mankind. We'll have to talk about it. Uh, Joe Pita will join us later. Joe Pita, who literally wrote the book on analytics for Augusta at the Masters. He'll be in studio for the last two uh, segments of the show to give us his, uh, his top ten golfers. Uh, going into it via the analytics top 10 go- uh, course factor here at Augusta, the most predictive of all courses from year to year. Joe Peter will join us in studio uh, exclusively for the final two uh, segments of the show. Greg Peterson on College Hoops, Wes Reynolds on both College Hoops and the Masters as well. He'll join us in College Hoops. By the way, we've got to talk NBA, betting in Canada. I have one tennis pick today. We're treading lightly because it's, it's the beginning of clay court season, day one in earnest of clay court season. So we're not going crazy, but we do have one pick uh, coming up here in just a bit. But let's start with college basketball, Jeff. And obviously um, two games where one certainly lived up to all the hype, Carolina and Duke. And that was a beautiful, beautiful game, which we'll get to second. But first, Villanova and Kansas. And I just will say this. How many times last week Kansas winning at 81-65, to 65, easily covering the four-point spread? really kind of had this game in hand coast to coast. Never got super, super sketchy for the Jayhawks. But uh, Agbaji was just tremendous from three. That's the first thing I will say. Kansas, if you just had one, if you just had access to one stat, once again, how many times have we said on this show in college hoops, just look at the three-point numbers. And Kansas hit 14 total threes against both Creighton and Providence on their way here in this big dance tournament. 14 total threes in those two games combined. And remember, both of those games got dicey, dicey late. This game alone, they hit 14 uh, threes. 
And that's kind of all you need to know in the end. Because I'm really not sure how well Kansas played, other than they just kept hitting threes and Villanova had no shot. 81-65. But they they were tremendous down low. And I think that was the big difference because Villanova hit their share of threes also, right? So in the end, if you look at the box score, it really didn't come down to that. It was McCormick's dominance down low. That really was the difference in this game. But, Jeff, how many times did I say last week where we're like, this bet that everybody had, the under in the first half, and I've been, I've been, we've had VEASAN for five years. I'm not so sure there was a bet that more different people were on, whether it was VEASAN host, whether it was guests throughout the network. Everybody was on the, everybody was on the under in the first half. And when it got down to 60 and a half, 60 and a half right before game time, I was like, well, I got no choice. Sorry. I got to go over. That thing was over with four minutes left in the half, I believe, or just under. It is just one of those weird sports betting things where it's like, because I kept bringing on like, does it worry you that every human being on earth is on this? But Kansas in a dominant performance, and they are the favorite tonight against North Carolina, which we'll get to. Justifiable favorite, Jeff, tonight, do you believe, for the Jayhawks? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And First off, Gil, you don't anticipate teams uh, teams setting the record for most combined three-pointers in the Final Four game, which is really, a, a, again, Gil, the, the biggest thing, and you brought it up, McCormick was the difference yeah. in that game, more so than uh, more so than even the threes, because David McCormick had 25 points on 12 shots. Total dominance. And that was just complete domination from him and that, it, it, down low against the lack of size. I was disappointed in Dixon. Uh, and his performance for Villanova. But they're the rightful favorite tonight. Uh, I know UNC has been very impressive during this run. Uh, You throw the St. Peter's game out, but the other games, very impressive throughout this entire run. And that was was as good of a basketball game as you could hope for on Saturday night with them and Duke. Lived up to all the hype. I will say it again. Listen, for where where I grew up in this country, in the Mid-Atlantic, Duke-North Carolina is the best rivalry in sports for the duration of my lifetime. You you can make an argument for Yankees-Red Sox, I suppose, in baseball. But Duke Carolina tried and true. And in what turned out to be, by the way, Jim Nance with a couple of zingers on Saturday, right as, right as the Kansas looked to have clinched that game against Villanova, Nance quietly throws out, note to self, Kansas is going to the national championship. And then he chuckled a little <laughs> just to act like it was spontaneous. Sure, Jim, it was spontaneous. But then at the end of this one, uh, Duke, uh, he's, could this be Coach Krzyzewski's final huddle? Oh, Jim. Yes, it could be. Did you so UNC and Duke was tremendous. UNC after crushing Duke at Cameron Indoor, Duke's uh, K- Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor. They come back here and beat Duke in their only March Madness matchup in history, which is just amazing. And UNC has bragging rights forever now on this. We crushed Coach K in your final game at Cameron. We beat you in the only game we ever played March Madness. Oh, by the way, it was to go to the national championship. Carolina gets it done 81-77. to As good a game, at least as good a second half as you could possibly hope for, back and forth, Caleb Love with the big three. Remember I was saying last week about most outstanding player? Because he had that game in pocket against UCLA where he kind of single-handedly won that, all it would take for him for most outstanding player is one more epic performance. If UNC wins tonight, he's got to be MOP, one would think. Or or is Baycott's unbelievable rebounding 
performances now back-to-back, could he have a shot if he had a big game tonight and Carolina won? I think pretty much any of the the four big scorers on that team are alive still. Do you really? Oh, I think well, it comes I, well, those two. The, North Carolina but it would have been completely out of the game in the first half if Davis didn't keep him in it. True. He was a, he was a one-man wrecking crew. So David Davis kept him in the game and yes. then Love took the game over in the second half. You are correct. And look, I mean if if UNC wins tonight and Brady Manick hits six threes, I mean We've seen in the past where guys had massive national championship yeah. games. Recency is a thing. I mean, I mean, look, Di Vincenzo in 2018, when you could have given it, probably should have given it the Bridges that year. Di Vincenzo is the all-time performance in the final against Michigan, and he steals the award. So you're, that's all true. I'm gonna say Love and Baycott are probably in the driver's seat, but you're probably right about all that. Right, right, yeah. right, right now, if you're going like just North Carolina guys only. It's Love, then it's Baycott, then it's Davis, then it's Maddock. And that would be my order. And for Kansas, it would be Agbaji and McCormick in whatever order? I would probably say as of this moment, it probably has to be McCormick probably. leading leading Abaji. But Abaji has the advantage of just being able to do more than McCormick. The end of the UNC-Duke game. So Caleb Love hits the three, they go up four, and that's when, you, that's when you're kind of, you know, you, your brain crossed over to, oh, my God, North Carolina's going to win this. But how about with just over 10 seconds left and Carolina's up three? And was it uh, was it Puff who fouled uh, Trevor Keels, right? Remember now, it looked like it was going to be an and one and that Keels was going to go to the line for a chance to tie it up. And you were like, oh, my God. And then they said no on the floor, which was the correct call, as it turns out, in college basketball, right? NBA, that's continuation. But he he definitely took another step and so it was the correct call, but did it did it in any way, I don't know if bother's the right word, but was it kind of weird or kind of were you, was there a bit of you that was regretful that the biggest single thing that happened in the final moments was a, excuse me, I just made the best foul of my life, even though it could have been the worst foul of my life play. Because you essentially send it, right? It's like fouling up three, right? Fouling, you know, it's kind of the proper play, but he gets away with it. Did that bother you at all? Were you like, oh, man. No, because they actually, the refs actually actually got the call right. They did. Like, like that's, but you know what I'm saying. No, like, I, under, I understand yeah. what you're saying. But look, it, the refs got the call right. And I'm, it, it, in the end, I'm going to remember Caleb Love's shot a lot more than that near disaster. You're also going to remember Duke's three missed free throws down the stretch as well. Yeah, Williams Williams at the end, that's just the killer, missing both of those. Brutal. So tonight, tonight you have the national championship between UNC and Kansas, and the championship formula is on the line tonight, right? Because UNC does not qualify in multiple Multiple categories. They have a coach that didn't have Sweet 16 experience and Hubert Davis before this year. Uh, and if you go to Ken Palm, I mean Carolina. Where? How far back are they in terms of uh, in terms of their defensive rating? They are in fact 39th. By the way, they're 18th in adjusted offense rating, 39th in adjusted defense. Remember, you got to be top 20. Baylor Bears last year, the only exception. They finished 22nd. So UNC fails in the championship formula in two counts. However, Kansas, they completely qualify in every way. Sixth in adjusted offense, 17th in adjusted defense, every other category. So it is a championship formula versus the world game tonight as well. 
in that respect. You have a bet here, Kansas by four, total 152. Nothing at the moment. Nothing at the moment. I, I, I think Kansas is going to win the game. I'm just not certain on that number. That number feels right. That this is going to be a tight game. I ended up betting North Carolina on Saturday, getting four and a half, which was not something I expected to do, Gil. And if this somehow gets back to four and a half, it may end up being another Carolina take the points bet and see if we get a tight game. It's amazing. Again, I sort of say that it's the James Salinas thing where he says, hey, I watch every bit of game film in the NFL all season long, every play. But like college basketball, it serves me better to show up for the conference weekend right before the tournament because then I'm not polluted by what people see the whole regular season. I mean, UNC is maybe the ultimate example of that. That's what I want to ask you after the break. We'll get into the NBA. We'll get into sports betting in Canada as well after the break. Tennis pick as well. But is UNC, first of all, is Kansas the most sort of lollygagging one seed to show up in the championship? Like, did you see that coming? And UNC with a chance to match the lowest seed ever to win it all at number eight. Coming back on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip. With your state-issued ID to open an account, start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. That's physically located located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling prompt call 1-800-522-4700. We will have Greg Peterson on College Hoops later and Wes Reynolds. Um, And then Joe Pita on the Masters in studio, the man who literally wrote the book on analytics at Augusta. We'll get to that. But one one last college basketball question for you, Jeff, before we move on to other things, uh, including that tennis pick that I have this morning, uh, is what I sort of got into right before the break, which is, so it's the AC Carolina Tar Heels, against Kansas, who's a number one seed. And was, was is Kansas just, and again, I don't want to be prisoner of the moment, but in your recollection of NCAA finals, is this one of the more, like one of the more, one of the more interesting finals in the term, in terms of the fact that it felt like folks slept on both of these teams in their own unique ways. Kansas, while a number one seed, they weren't getting the respect that Gonzaga and, ba- and uh, Gonzaga and Arizona were before this tournament. Like, Kansas was definitely not in that category, anecdotally, right? And people making their brackets, experts, if you will, on ESPN and CBS. And then in the case of Carolina, again, Villanova in 1985, beating Georgetown, the only number, the, the lowest seed of all time, number eight, to win the title. That was a 64-team tournament, but that was when there was no shot clock. And when there was no three-point shot back in 85. So that's a, it's a different game of basketball. Even Ed Pinckney admits, he's like, we, we play by today's rules, we probably get rolled by them. But Villanova played Georgetown well every time they played them that year. We've seen number eight seeds in finals since then, but they haven't gotten to the promised land. What, what do you, I mean, does Carolina have a pro player on that team, in your opinion? Not, not, a, not someone who will make a roster, but like a a. a player that you think will be a major contributing professional player? Caleb Love can, but I wouldn't have thought that before this tournament. Right. That's the odd thing with that. Could Baycott have, have, have a role rebounding? I, and... big, 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 even though that type of big guy is almost going the way of the dinosaurs in the NBA, 
Big Cod will play in the league for a few years. Yeah. Like they have a lot of guys, like they have no stars on this team. Right. They have a lot of guys who will play in the league uh, for a few years. And, and look, even for Kansas, is it for Kansas? I was going to say, I'm not he, so sure they do. Like, yeah. Abaji will Abaji will play in the league. He'll not, probably be a borderline draft pick, but other than a borderline lottery, lottery pick, pick, yeah. But other than that. Not, not that that needs to be a barometer. I'm just sort of saying that sort of jumps on top of the, the topic sentence, which was it just feels like but every every college basketball expert was kind of sleeping. I'm sure there were exceptions, right? But generally speaking, in their own different ways, people were, were sleeping on. Kansas, as far as number one seeds are concerned, kind of slept on. And then Carolina just period slept on. And, and who could blame them, right, if they got, you know, okay, yes, they did win that game against Duke at Cameron, which kind of opened people's eyes. But then they got crushed in the ACC tournament right after that. Vatek beat both Duke and Carolina in the ACC tournament. So in the end, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just one of these. Do you, what's, the, what's the most recent tournament where it felt this way? By the way, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to diminish it. I'm super excited about the game. It's just an interesting outcome. Yeah, well, Here's what makes this tournament great, and multiple people made this point over the weekend. We have arguably two of the three best programs in the history of the sport. Yes. And it's a massive shock that we have this <laughs> That's final. That's exactly right. That just shows how how the weird t- and wonky this tournament can be. How great is the tournament? It always delivers. It's it, With all its warts, right? We talk about oh, the schedule and the refereeing. Oh, it's awesome. Looking forward to that. We'll get Wes's word and Greg's uh Greg Peterson and Wes Reynolds, their thoughts on the game coming up later. Uh, we do have one tennis pick. Now, we begin, first of all, can we just say for Iga Sviatek on Saturday, can we just like standing, virtual standing ovation for Iga Sviatek, who wins her third 1,000 series of the year? We were on her again. I hope everybody cashed in on Iga. Straight set win over Naomi Osaka, Osaka rather, down in Miami on Saturday, 6-4-6 love, and all of our futures on Iga gets home. That's the end of hardcourt season. So congratulations to all on that. Clay begins today. There's four tournaments. There's two on the men's side, two on the ladies' side. Uh, the men's side, I believe, is Houston and Marrakesh. You know where Marrakesh is, uh, Jeff? You know where that is on planet Earth? Morocco. Thank you very much. Uh, and number two on the ladies' side, we're, on, we're in Bogota, Colombia, and we're in Charleston, South Carolina. So we're going, we're treading super lightly because it's day one of clay season and there's not a whole bunch of data that you can really sink your teeth into. But one line seemed a little off to me and I am playing it and it starts in a little, I guess maybe a little less than an hour, 8.15 Pacific, 11.15 Charleston time. Heather Watson over Claire Lou. I got Heather Watson at plus 153 over Claire Lou. You may find her about five cents worse than that last I checked. But it's still playable if it's at plus 148. I wouldn't play it any lower than plus 140. But that price seems off to me. But that's going to be our only pick of the day because I don't want to go nuts. First day of clay court season, which, of course, culminates next month at Roland Garros for the French Open, where, again, Iga will be the favorite on the ladies' side. And, of course, how about Carlos Alcaraz winning on the men's side hard court in Miami as well? Huge, huge moment in his career. So that's your tennis pick of the day. Heather Watson over Claire Lou at nice plus money prices. NBA, where do we begin? So the Lakers are two games behind the Spurs. Let's get that out of the way first because that's the most meaningless of all of this. But with four games left in the regular season, the Lakers have to out, outplay the Spurs by three games now because, remember, the tiebreaker goes to the Spurs 
by virtue of a better conference record. They split their head-to-heads, but by virtue of a better conference record, the Spurs would get in on the tiebreaker. So the Lakers have to either go 3-1 and one and hope that the Spurs go 0-4, oh or the Lakers have to go 4-0 and oh and hope that the Spurs go 1-3 or 0-4. Oh That's their only shot of making, forget the playoffs, we're talking play-in. Spurs do have a tough, tough final four games, so I, I would not characterize it as an impossibility. By the way, no games in the National Basketball Association tonight as they clear their schedule, as they do traditionally, uh, for the finals of March Madness. But at Denver, at Minnesota, home Golden State, and at Dallas to close things out for San Antonio. So not impossible for the Lakers. Well, it's not impossible for the Spurs to go 1-3 and three or 0-4, oh I guess is what I'm saying. Whether it's possible for the Lakers to go 3-1 and one or 4, no, that's a totally different story because they're just absolutely awful. But LeBron is going to try to squeeze two more games out of this, right, so he can qualify for the scoring title. He's clearly doing that. That's all he cares about, right? That's all he's trying to do. But that might not work out for him either because Joel Embiid seems to have his eyes on that as well. Huge performance by Embiid this week. What did he drop, 44, I think? So now LeBron sort of on the outside looking in and that, unless he's able to go off on these two games. But how awkward is that going to look? Like if you're missing games, but then when you show up, you're able, he dropped 38 over the weekend. It's just such an odd thing. It's like, okay, you're going to play for the scoring title. You don't seem to, you don't seem to be healthy enough to help your team, you know, actually get into the plan. But when you show up, you can sort of do whatever you want. Very odd. And then there's the whole, we talk about rookie of the year, and I was sitting here saying, oh, what about Cade Cunningham at 8-1 to one or 9-1, to one, whatever it is? Like, how in the world is he that long of a shot? And so we're in here at primetime action Friday night. When Detroit at that point had, what, six games left in the season, whatever it was. And Cade Cunningham starts, as does Sadiq Bay and all the starters. And then after like six or seven minutes, they all get sat down. Detroit, this just in, no chance at making the postseason whatsoever. It's not like they were scratched. They started and then got pulled. It's like, what are you resting them all for? Don't they have the whole offseason rest? Anyway, that was the end of Kate Cunningham's Rookie of the Year campaign, it seemed like. And by the way, this last game last night, DNP illness. So that's the end of him. You got to figure, I mean, I shouldn't say the end of him because these are human beings voting on awards. But it would seem to me that whatever momentum he might have had to make a push for Rookie of the Year kind of goes out by the wayside. If you're voting, if you're if you're betting Rookie of the Year, it's, you think it's Evan Mobley's? I'm not betting it at this point. I wouldn't either. I guess I guess it's Mobley. I guess. I guess. Kind of process of elimination at this point, isn't it? And and Jokic solidifies the MVP this weekend. I think. I'm not so certain about that because of the way that the narrative is seemingly going all of a sudden. To, to the Giannis to side? To the Giannis side. Well, we were part of that narrative on Thursday or Friday. But, I mean, if, if – and the point I was trying to make is that I don't think Embiid is second. I think Giannis is second and that his number was a great bet. But as I asked you right on the way out of that segment, I'm like, yeah, but do you think that eclipses Jokic? And you're saying Maybe. Jokic had 38, 18, and six last night against yeah. the Lakers, and I don't, I don't even think he played that well for three quarters. So <laughs> that, I, I, that just shows how ridiculously good he is. 
Gil, I, I would be, uh, I still would be Jokic. That would still be mine. It would still be Jokic. Yeah. I think it's Jokic. I'm hoping it's Jokic, because that's the only one I have a ticket on, obviously. So I'm looking through those lenses. But would anything, would Giannis surprise me? It wouldn't. It really wouldn't. Maybe still the best player in all of basketball. Between those two, for sure. Coming back, sports betting in Ontario next. Numbers Game Visa, the Sports Betting Network. The Numbers Game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's Stack starting lineup like the Breakfast Baconator, Croissant Combos, and Hot or Cold Coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends oven baked, sizzling bacon. Fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a simply OJ to bring it home. You liked those breakfast potatoes the other day, didn't you, Jeff? Oh, yeah, you did. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick up your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay here as well. Uh, we get tweets at Beatty the Book. Always appreciate all the feedback. Good, bad, indifferent. Just be funny. I'll read them all. As long as you're funny. I don't care if you murder me. Whatever, whatever you want to do. Uh, a lot on Bet Bash, and I just want to just say again, what a, what a uh, what a conference. We'll get into that on some of that. We did the Art of Sports Betting panel yesterday. I was honored to uh, moderate that. Uh, that was with uh, Elihu Foistel, who was a guest on this show. He was on the panel, as was Spanky himself, the organizer of Bet Bash Two. Zach White, who many of us know as a professional better for many, many years, and then Chris Bennett, sportsbook manager from Circa. All those guys on that panel. Uh, all I, my only job was not to mess it up, because that's when those guys are on a panel. That's that's the only thing. You just got to stay out of the way, and they were wonderful. And there were other panels beforehand. Stardust Memories with Roxy Roxborough and Scotty Shetler up on stage was phenomenal. There's a couple earlier panels which were uh, moderated by both uh, David Purdom and Doug Kazarian from ESPN, respectively. And that was just the panels. Really, it was just uh, a great networking event for everybody to get together. And I will go ahead, Jeff, you ready for this superlative? I will go ahead and call it the greatest sports betting conference ever on planet Earth assembled by Spanky. Now the key will be how to keep it awesome in years to come. By the way, there's one more event this morning, the, uh, the Bookie Brunch, which, again, I have no idea where it is, but I'll figure it out by the time I'm, dri- <laughs> well, I'm driving over there. Uh, we, get t- we get tweets at BD the Book. I think that's where this started. Uh, this is from uh, LFC Title Records. He sent a picture of Gino Oriema looking tired. And he said, this looks like Gill in 20 years still putting up with Kelly Bidlin on primetime, <laughs> primetime action. Is it taking a shot at Kelly or taking a shot at me? Both of us he took a shot at. Gino's looking haggard in that. Uh, Gino had that look no. uh, the entire night last night. Your Louisville uh, future yeah. went by the wayside. I'm sorry. What are you going to do? South Carolina is just a dominant team all year long, and they proved it this weekend, Gil. What a team Don Staley uh, had there. And Don Staley, by the way, Gil, if – there's ever going to be a coach that mm-hmm. goes from coaching in, in the highest level of, of women's college basketball going straight to the NBA. Dawn yeah. Staley's your, your coach. Here's how old I am. I remember Dawn Staley playing at UVA, how great she was there, let alone her coaching career. UConn and South Carolina in the finals. Last night. Final. Who, who won? I didn't even see who won. We were at Bet Bash. Oh, South Carolina dominated. They crushed him. Dominated, Okay. Yes. Uh, J-Rod, eat your heart out, Todd. I met Gilly and demanded more tennis, uh, so you cannot mush it. Uh, Gilly, uh, what he says, eat your, what he say? Talk, talk his heart out about tennis. 
I don't see much about that sport. J-Rod, great meeting you, uh, among so many others there at the at Bet Bash too. This is from do 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 do. Sorry about that. This is from Jay. Touchdown, Jesus. Solid long-term strategy by Jim Nance with the note to self, knowing he'll need an impromptu rock chalk Jayhawk ad-libbed tonight if they win. Adam Orvin, it was really great meeting you in person yesterday at Bet Bash and having a chance to talk a bit about the podcast, etc. Have a great show today. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it as well. Um, and uh, on and on with this. Let's see. Do 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 do. Oh, and. So Ian McDonald adding, and how ridiculously bad the Lakers are defensively. Add, add that into the mix. Um, we appreciate all the tweets. Uh, Canada today, we have to. We, we have a great audience. Not only was it super humbling that everybody sort of Vison resonating with everybody at Bet Bash too, but we have Game Plus audience. We always talk at the beginning of the show what what affiliates we are on and what different streams you can get us on. Game Plus, uh, which goes throughout Canada, then sort of into New York carries this show, and it's a huge day in Canada for sports betting, uh, specifically in Ontario, which, of course, is where Toronto is for sports betting, because this is kind of their May 14th, 2018, uh, the Canadian version of that, if you will, uh, because prior to now, just one company in Canada in their most popular province of, of Ontario, was legally providing online sports betting. That was, of course, the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corp, government-owned. Uh, but starting today, Ontario's debuting a competitive market for Internet gambling, which permits private sector operators of online sportsbooks and casinos to start legally taking wagers in the province. And you've got more than a dozen that have been sanctioned by iGaming uh, there in Ontario, including BetMGM, BetRivers, FanDuel, and uh, everybody is super pumped. And so anybody who's 19 or older in Ontario can start using the websites and apps of those authorized iGaming operators. And you don't necessarily need to be from Ontario, by the way. If you were wondering, do I have to have, like, residents in Ontario? No. Uh, you just have to be in the province to play, although you can register and manage your accounts from anywhere. And so it's all a go today. With, with one, sort of, one sort of little caveat that needs to be mentioned, which is that the operators that had previously taken bets from within Ontario prior to today have to settle any of the outstanding wagers that exist in the accounts that they did take bets from before they were able to go live today. So what you had was a situation where, let's say you have pending futures, the book that you had that futures on, in order for them to go above board legal today, they had to come up with a way. And by the way, they, the government did not tell them how to settle it. They allowed each sports book that did that to sort of creatively settle it. So th some of them are just going to give straight refunds. Some of them, if they were like super close to perhaps cashing, are going to give a free roll credit, right? Because they can't, you know... They have, they have to settle it somehow. So settling is sort of a left a little room for wiggle room. But that's sort of the rub on that. So that's the one thing. So inevitably, there are going to be people who do have really good futures that are close-ish, perhaps, or at least are favorites now, or a much better number um, currently than they were when they, when they first bet them. So that's the rub. So that's the only thing you sort of got to get over um, get past, and hopefully the book that you did it at, if this applies to you, will at least make it 
will at least make you whole. Maybe it is with a uh, with a credit if it does win in the end, um, and at least you get a you know at least you get a uh, you know a bet out of that later and a chance to maintain that money where you don't have to roll it over anytime. So that's book to book. But that's a big day in Canada with that one caveat. That's a huge day in Ontario. So to all our Game Plus audience, uh, congratulations on that moving forward. And if you do have a uh, pending uh, bet that you're not thrilled about is going to go by the wayside, or at least it's going to have to be altered somehow, let us know about that uh, at Beating the Book. NBA this week, and again, there's no games today. Back to the NBA for a second. So, Jeff, this is... This is the week we've been talking about. Remember, the Masters are on Thursday. Major League Baseball begins on Thursday. Way to go, baseball, starting your season on the same day as the first day of the Masters. Idiots. Uh, And then the NBA regular season ends on Sunday. So this is the week where we talked about, all right, Eastern Conference teams, how are you going to jockey for position? Oh, the other thing, and again, the Brooklyn Nets really going to play in a 9-10 game? Right now they're the 10th seed. Still four games left. The number eight Atlanta Hawks, who beat them this weekend, and that was a huge result. Still one game ahead of them. They're tied with Charlotte, but they lose a tiebreaker to Charlotte. So Brooklyn right now in 10th. But again, the Brooklyn Nets, who for most of this NBA season were the short shot to win their conference, to win the title, despite the fact that Kyrie couldn't play home games. Now, of course, he can. Could be in a situation where they don't even get a mulligan in the play. If they end up in a 9-10, they got to win twice. You can't have a bad night. Jeff, they could be done by tax day. How are people not talking about this enough? People are just so sure this team is... So if you are sure about it, and we've had this conversation too, do you... Do you can you possibly anticipate if they'll be a... You know, now it looks like they might be the number one seed. Uh, excuse me, the number one seed might have to face them. If they're in a 9-10, they can't get to seven. They can only get to eight. So the Miami Heat now, who clearly look like they're going to get the number one seed, or at least in the driver's seat for that, with a two-game edge over everybody else, they may end up as a number one seed having to play Brooklyn. <laughs> it's just horrible. And then there's the matter of the Toronto Raptors, who are in sixth. And remember, they do have the vaccine mandates. Back to Canada now again. A little Canadian theme. Remember, if you're the Celtics, we don't know who's unvaccinated on the Celtics. And right now, the Celtics and the Bucks, well, the Celtics with a half-game lead over both the Bucks and the Sixers for the number two seed. But what if they end up falling to three, and then they'd have to play the Raptors? But the Raptors are tied with the Bulls, who are at five— you can't anticipate it. You can't possibly, at least at this point, right, Jeff? In this early in the in the week, you can't possibly figure out how to manipulate the seating and figure out who you're going to play. It is going to be fascinating. This weekend, obviously, is going to when it when it a little more clear, maybe. But I don't even know if you can then. But Miami is a number one seed, perhaps playing Brooklyn as a number eight. If Brooklyn is lucky enough to get there is the most amazing twist of all of this at this point. We'll come back. Wes Reynolds, his thoughts on the game tonight, his pick, and golf as well, the Masters. Coming back. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. Ben MGM welcomes you with a special offer on the college basketball national championship. It's a $10 money line wager on the game tonight, and if either team hits a three, just one, 
you'll win $200 in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use bonus code uh, MM200, pardon me, that's MM200 when you make your first bet. Enjoy the final game like never before and find out why nothing beats a win at BetMGM. Download the app, it won't take you but a few seconds, or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code MM200 to win $200 in free bets, <clears throat> pardon me, if either team hits a three in the College Basketball National Championship. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager, new customer offer, all promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. We get tweets at Beating the Book. Uh, this is from Ed Blust. Gil, you did a phenomenal job. Oh, this is very nice of you. Moderating the panel at Bet Bash yesterday. Wish it could go on for at least another hour. Thank you, man. I, I will just say this again. Trust me. Uh, the other moderators had had not to take away from their panels, but mine was so star-studded that I could have only messed it up. And so they were awesome. Ella Hufoy, still spanky, Chris Bennett, and Zach White. Uh, cricket man, the tennis picks are uh, the tennis picks are next. That phrase creates a weird Pavlovian response in my hand and phone. <laughs> Thank you, Cricket Man. Um, tennis picks resonating with the Bet Bash crew as well. Matt L. from Canada. Here you go. Here's a Canadian response. Matt F. Lost my Canada to win the World Cup at two, uh, what is that, at uh, 20 to 1. That same book also stole my pending funds, only book that did that from what I saw. Well, the pending funds is one thing. The Canada bet, I mean, come on. If you only bet 20 to 1 on when yeah, you're going to win the World Cup, you're going to do better right now, I'll uh, tell you that. Hopefully right. it has a 200 to 1. Well, he's no, 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 it's not 20 to 1. I'm sorry, I, I read it differently. It's 2,000 to 1, he said. Okay, that's, that's a little different. <laughs> Still, though, like, I mean, okay, good number for sure. So I guess that sucks in that response. But it's not like we've played one second of the of the tournament. Uh, but either. that that is rough to lose at two thousand yes. one words. Yes. Two hundred to one now, yeah. Hundred percent. Uh yeah, I couldn't tell if it was plus it was two thousand to one. So my bad bet, Matt. Two thousand to one. I understand that as well. Um, but the pending funds is one thing. West West, y'all, keep on. I could go on. <laughs> but I don't want to recite more Curtis Blow lyrics. It's Wes Reynolds, everybody, at Wes Reynolds 1, the number one. Uh, the glue that holds it all together and the co-host of Long Shots here at the network. How you doing, Wes? Good morning, Gil. How are you? I'm doing very well. Is this the uh, – these are the right two teams in the title game, aren't they, in the end? Yeah, I, I think so, based on how the game's played Saturday. I mean, obviously, Duke and Carolina was pretty nip and tuck, but you really saw kind of one of the old tried-and-true – narratives i guess in the ncaa tournament come true and that you win with better guards and who had the better guards that was north carolina i think clearly on saturday mark williams of course gets in foul trouble for duke so certainly that helps but i thought carolina's guards uh, rj davis caleb love outplayed jeremy roach and aj griffin and trevor keels and that's why you see carolina here one or 40 minutes away from the national title were you part? Of, you you were part of the group that had the uh, the under first half in the uh, in that Villanova Kansas game. Did you what do you, what have you gravitated towards as a bet here in this one tonight? Yeah, and and if you look that game in terms of Villanova Kansas, that the first semifinal on Saturday, it played to form in terms of the fact that the possessions were not were not very big, and Villanova I think slow tempo. The thing is, Kansas just hit shots. 
and Ogbaji, I think, was like six or seven from three. Even guys that are like the guys you sag off of, like Dewan Harris, hit three uh, yeah. uh, three pointers on Saturday. So when Kansas was shooting 54%, I think that's what they finished from the three against Villanova. You know, they were just knocking down shots. And I think when you look on the Carolina side, there's some skill there and there's some adjustments on defense, but there's also some luck. Carolina's five opponents in the NCAA tournament are combined, I believe, 26.2% from the three. Jeez. So we're going to see regression, you would think, on both sides, where Kansas isn't going to shoot like they shot on Saturday. North Carolina probably not going to have the defensive numbers that they had for five games here in the NCAA tournament. But what's going to regress a little bit more? And I actually think on the Kansas side, they're a little bit more of a diverse offense for North Carolina necessarily to defend, whereas Duke, I think, was more talented one through five, and they're going to have four of those guys likely go in the first round here this summer in the draft. But Kansas, I think, is a little bit more diverse in terms of how you defend them. So, you know, I'll ask you a couple sports radio questions that I asked earlier, which is, you know, just anecdotally in, in your mind or just in memory, UNC Kansas one of the more surprising title games for you just in terms of both opponents and just in the, in the sense of UNC, not a lot of people saw it coming until, you know, obviously this last stretch of games. Now everybody sees it coming, their performance throughout this entire tournament. But, in, but Kansas is a number one seed. Again, of the number one seeds, Gonzaga and Arizona were getting much more hype before the tournament. And Kansas, even in their games against Providence and Creighton, right? They would nip and tuck down the stretch in both of those. And they just, it just feels like, it was until it wasn't until the second half of that Miami game, right, where it was like, oh, there they are, right, forty-seven to fifteen, second half. There's their A game. So in that respect, I'm curious if if you if you think that of this game, not that it diminishes it in any way. I'm just curious. Yeah, I guess you could call it a mild surprise. I think on selection show night. We all thought that Kansas, of the four number one seeds, had the easiest draw. You know, rock chalk cupcake, if you will, there in the Midwest <laughs> region. Yeah. But nevertheless, you're you're absolutely right in the fact that Kansas really, if you take out that Texas Southern game, the one versus right. 16, they played 20 good minutes of basketball, and that was the second half against Miami. They could never get away from Creighton, who were down to like six guys in their rotation. Providence. We were talking about, I think we were watching that game live together, Hill. And in that first half, even though Kansas wasn't playing great, yeah. you were like, they should be up by 15. This Providence team looks dreadful. Right. And somehow they let them hang around, and Kansas had to get in the foul game at the end, and they held on and survived for the win. And then they were down six against Miami, 47 to 15 in the second half. And, you know, that's what made them kind of scary. And talking about the games before Saturday, it was like, okay. We haven't seen the best out of Kansas, and that makes them scary in some times how they're here. And it's not a surprise that they're here. I guess it's a surprise for North Carolina because they really emerged down the stretch. You know, first-year head coach with Hubert Davis. You got to figure out your team. The defense wasn't very good or in the early part of the season, but they're still North Carolina, and North Carolina still gets North Carolina players. So even though they have an eight by their name, uh, a mild surprise, but you can't say like, yeah, you know, I I find it hard, I guess, to push this plucky underdog North Carolina yeah. narrative because they're North freaking Carolina. They're <laughs> one of the greatest programs in the history of college basketball. So, uh, you know, 
Nevertheless, we've got the Roy Williams Bowl, uh, yes. his old school versus, versus the one he retired at. So, you know, you got two blue bloods in the final four. So I obviously think that that makes it an attractive matchup. Uh, I'm interested to see, though, with North Carolina, if they kind of fall into what Gonzaga fell into last year where you win such a high leverage national semifinal game on Saturday. Of course, Jalen Suggs hits the buzzer beater for Gonzaga to move on against Baylor. And then you felt like Gonzaga, you could just see it early. They had nothing left for Baylor. Is North Carolina going to fall the same fate here? Because it's like, we ended Mike Krzyzewski's career. Yeah. We ended that long career. We beat our rival on the biggest stage in the sport. How much do we have left for Kansas? Well, I mean... Last thing on this U on this weekend, UNC do that. The way that that game played out, right? As great as it was, the stakes, as you said, the first matchup ever between uh, UNC and Duke in a in a big dance in a national semi, no less. Where does that given given the stakes? Where does that rank in your like all time pantheon of, of college basketball games? Is that a top twenty or would you say conservatively? Yeah, I, I would say so, because you started the second half, and I think Duke, what were they up, like three at the half? They go up, they get a couple buckets, timeout, there's like a minute and a half in the second half, and Duke's got a seven-point lead. It's like, okay, the team that's been better all year is going to pull away, and then what happens, North Carolina goes on a 13-0 run, and you could just tell whoever was going to win that game, it was going to go down to the wire, and it absolutely did, and I thought North Carolina's guard play was really good, and then, of course, Baycott you know, sprains the ankle and then comes back out. Now we're going to see how effective he's going to be tonight because that ankle is going to swell. Look, he's going to play. He's not going to sit. This reminds me of the kid uh, Tariq Owens three years ago for Texas Tech who sprained his ankle in the national semifinal and then in the national championship against Virginia only played 22 minutes, but that was largely because of fouls, not necessarily because of injury, but obviously North Carolina is going to need Baycott down low because they have no depth and you saw when David McCormick from Kansas is against smaller guys Uh on Saturday against Villanova Villanova just had absolutely nothing and just the depth and lack thereof got exposed by the way how many people around the country when Baycock got hurt (laughs) were saying oh of course Baycock got hurt of course coach K's gonna get in this way oh man and then Baycock came right on back not sure I heard a pick from Wes on tonight's game we'll see if we can uh See if he has one. If he doesn't, that's good, too. We'll come after the break. We'll ask him that. And, of course, the Masters. His thoughts next on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. 